Thank you guys. Wasn't that awesome? Man, I tell you. I actually requested that song um, because uh, on August, uh, July 31st, so I actually looked back at my notes and, and saw on that morning, I got up early, like I try to do every day and just hang out with Jesus in the morning, and uh, our shades were pulled, so I couldn't see, and uh, as soon as I opened up the door, I walked outside, and it was just one of those amazing sunrises. You guys know those ones that aren't just, the no they're like amazing, like they're the ones everybody puts on Facebook, right? <laughs> Yeah, because you capture something and you go, oh my gosh, I gotta share this with everybody. Well, that was one of those. And as soon as I opened the door and I saw that, like immediately the word that came to my mind was just glory. I just thought like, that's glorious. So I sat down and I was, as I started to pray and started to hang out with Jesus that morning, I kept looking up at the sunrise and I just said, man, God, your handiwork, like when you do stuff, it's just good. And what's interesting is even people who struggle to believe that there really is a God, when they see the beauty of creation, it kind of makes them wonder if there isn't one, right? And in fact, some people will say, well, nature is my God because it's that glorious. Whether it's sunrises or sunsets or sometimes it can be the majestic mountains or the stars in the sky. And we look at those and people actually start thinking about God because when his glory is displayed, it's pretty crazy. Well, then I had this thought. And I'd sat there and I said, I wonder, God, does my life ever cause people to say glory? Now, thanks, because everybody in the morning laughed when I said that. <laughs> You know, because, you know, you think about this, it's kind of almost like, a, like the, my life would cause people to say glory. But that's what I started to think about. Because what a sunrise is, what the mountains, what the skies are, is God's handiwork. And God's handiwork causes people to think about God. So that's our question. I sat there and I said, well, does, do I make anybody question? Do I actually cause people to think Man, maybe there's a God. Maybe there's, there's something about you, right? There's something in you that's different. You have something I don't have. Has anybody ever said that about your life? And then I started thinking about the church, about K2. Does anybody actually look at our church and do we, simply because of how we live our lives corporately, cause the rest of the people in Salt Lake Valley to go, maybe there actually is a God? And so it was those thoughts that brought me to this passage that we're gonna look at today. And it's in Matthew chapter five. And immediately uh, I pulled this up and I, and I read this and let's read it together. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. And neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So there it is right there, you guys. You are the light of the world. Isn't that cool? See, and, and so you sit there and some of you might be going, me? <laughs> like, are you kidding? How in the world... Could I you actually be the light of the world? But it's an amazing statement. And Jesus isn't saying, go be that. He says, you are. This is your identity. Right, Dave Luke? You right. are the light of the world, man. And that's awesome. Candace, you are the light of the world. And it's incredible. 
I love this. Mariah, my daughter, honey, you are the light of the world. Now, how in the world can us goofballs actually be the light of the world? Well, here's how it works. In John chapter 1, verse 4, John, at the very beginning of John's writing, he says this, in him, meaning in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That when Jesus Christ came down, he was life, and it was light to everybody. Now, in him was life. It doesn't mean that he lived like you have life, right? I mean, you're alive. He was, it, it meant way more than he was just alive like you are. What this means, you guys, is that fullness of life that every human being is trying to experience. You all know you're doing this? <laughs> Do you know everybody on this planet is trying to find life? You, did you know that every decision you make every day as a human being, which is what you do all day long, but every decision you make is you're making that because you think if I do this, it's gonna help lead to the fullness of my life. And that's what we do. So when Christ came down, man, he had purpose and he had inner strength and he had peace and he was full of joy and he was full of love and it was life. And he called that the light to the whole rest of the world. And he said, I came to be that. And then in John chapter eight, he says this. He actually admits it. He says, I am the light of the world. And, who, and then look at this. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Is that not good news? See, dude, is that like hope, like out the kazoo? That is so much hope for us. Because what he's saying is, I am the light, which is life. And I came to show you what that was, and, and here's the deal. If you'll follow me, you'll never have to be in darkness. Anybody know anybody in darkness? Our world, you guys, is suffering in darkness. There is so much pain and so much suffering. There's so much emptiness. There are so many broken relationships and broken dreams and broken hearts. And we sit there and we wander around in darkness and Jesus says, if you follow me, you will never have to walk in darkness. But you can have the light of life. God, I love this. I love, I just, thank you, God. Thank you that you want me to have that. And you guys, right there, that's how you're the light of the world. It's not because you have any light within yourself, but when you receive Christ, and he starts living inside of you, that life, which is light to the world, is what you become. And that's so awesome. Now, you know what's cool? Is light actually has a purpose, right? Light has a purpose. I forgot to ask you guys, but hey, who, uh, could you guys just hit all the lights? Oh, he's not there? Okay. All right. So we are going to do that. Everybody pretend the lights just went off. Everybody close your eyes. Wow, it's really dark in here. Okay, we're all pretending, is that cool? Okay, so, but if we turned off the lights, you know, and, and just had a complete darkness and sat in there for a second, and then, what, right? Light has a purpose. You're like, hey, would somebody turn on the lights? And you turn on the light, and now all of a sudden, you can see. Light has a purpose. You guys, you're the light of the world. That's what you are if you're a follower of Jesus. And because you're the light of the world, you have a purpose. Throw the verse back up there for me if you can, verse 15. Says neither, he says, first of all, it says a town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. Do you guys remember that, right? This little light of mine 
I'm going to let it shine. Yep, someone in the back goes, this is light of mine, right? I'm gonna, and then remember the verse, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. You guys, see, you all want to sing with me, don't you? I can just tell. No, but, it, it, that point, but we all kind of, if you grew up in that, you heard that song, you know, hide it under a bushel. No, right? Because, why not? Because this is what you got to understand. Once you receive Christ, you become the light of the world. And you guys, light never exists just for itself. A light doesn't go, man, I need to get light. No, I, I am light. And so the reason, so what happens is the light is never given so it can hide under a bushel so that it can just be light for itself. No, what does light do? It says, instead, you put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the room, right? Do you know that if you're a follower of Christ, you have a purpose, and it's to be light in the darkness so that everybody gets to see? That's what you're for. And not only that they can see that, holy crow, you've got some life. Where did you get this thing? It's what? It goes on, so that they can see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Oh my goodness. K2, the church. You know why we exist? Why do we exist? We exist because God had this idea of putting a group of people together who would be light to the world in Salt, in Salt Lake Valley. And that's what we're here for. We have a purpose so that when we do good works, his light shines and people get a chance to think maybe there's a God. And that's what you're supposed to be doing. And that's what we're supposed to be doing as a church. It's what you have been doing. And I want to say thank you. Man, thank you to all of you for these last nine years who've been with us and who've been helping other people see that Jesus Christ could actually be real. So here's the question. So how do we actually shine in a way that makes people think about God? And, and you know what? I'm not saying that strong enough. Because people won't just think about God. What Jesus said is they will actually glorify our Father in heaven, because of your good works. You know, what that you know what that word glorify means? So I was looking that up. It means to render something excellent, okay? Mar Mariah, who uh, helps out with the kids, Adventure Canyon next week is starting a new theme on Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. <laughs> is that cool? Make sure I know you, none of my, nobody's gonna come here, everybody's gonna go to the Adventure Canyon program. But, but here's the deal, that that's what happens is we should be living in such a way that people glorify God, they glorify our Father, they, they say, man, he must be excellent, he must be really good. So, so here's what I thought. How in the world can I actually live a life that when people look at it, it causes people to glorify God? Because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And so are you. Because here's my question. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good things in the world, aren't there? Can we all agree on that? There are a lot of people who have no interest even in God at all. And they're doing good stuff. But somehow their good works aren't causing people to glorify our Father, right? In fact, really what their works are doing is they're causing people to glorify humanity. I mean, because what we're saying is, we don't need a God, look at what humans can do. You don't need a God, and yet they can be doing some of the exact same things we are, which are good. You guys following this? Is this confusing to anybody else? 
So my question is, how can when I do it, or when we do it, or you do it, something actually supernatural happens instead? And we end up being the light of the world, making people actually connect with God. That's what we're going to look at, all right? So let me pray, because I feel like we need to pray right now. And something has to happen in your heart and in mine so that we walk out of here and we actually aren't hiding under a bushel, but we're walking out of here being light that connects people to Jesus. So let's pray. Father, right here, right now, I just ask you to help me to be clear. Please help me not to say anything you don't want me to say. But I pray that every word right now that would come out of my mouth would come from you so that we can hear you today. Speak to us and help us to understand this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So what's a good work? Because that's what he says. Your good works are what are going to be shy help people see. So we've got to define a good work. Here's my definition, right? So if you're taking notes, I'm going to have some things for you to write down, okay? And I, by the way, I encourage you guys to actually take notes. What's interesting, one of the coolest things I notice is that anybody who actually is leading other people always takes notes. <laughs> because you're like, you, you try to get as much information you can so that you can pass it on. So I encourage all right, we good? I encourage you, as much as possible, to write some stuff down so that you can pass it on, all right? Now, here's what a good work is, my definition today, working definition. A good work is every time we respond to God in love. A good work is responding to God in love. And every time you respond to God in love, it's a good work and it causes people to have to deal with God, okay? Let me unpack this real quick. The first thing is this, you have to respond to God. And that means that every good work is actually initiated by God and not by us. It's God's ideas. Jesus told us, my father is at work. He is always at work and I too am working. So God's always doing stuff. And what he's looking for is people who will actually come alongside him and respond to him and join him in what he's doing. And this is really important, you guys, because in Ephesians chapter 2, write some, you can write down these verses as I give them to you. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says, You are saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that nobody can boast. So, what's that mean? Well, first of all, what that means is, the, the good news of Christ is you're not supposed to be trying to be better. You're not trying to be as good as you can so that maybe eventually God will go, okay, are you doing enough? Are you doing enough? Then maybe I'll let you in. <laughs> like that is not good news because you would never do enough to be good enough for God ever. The good news is you are saved by grace and that grace means a free gift from God. It's awesome. But as soon as you receive that, because you receive it through faith, then what happens is you receive Christ. And the only one who's good now is sitting inside your heart. And verse 10 says this, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Okay, see? So what happened is, I'm like, man, good works cause people to actually glorify our Father. And this verse says, so every time I hear good works, I'm like, okay, how do I respond to God in love? You guys, we are God's workmanship. It all starts with God. 
So when you receive him, it's like that word, it literally means that God is like a craftsman. And he comes inside your heart and he starts working inside of you. And I, I told so many people this, you guys, the coolest thing about once you receive Christ is he actually gives you new desires. He gives you a new heart. He starts to do something inside of you. He produces the good work. Write down this verse, Philippians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. In this verse, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, how many of us could you, how many of you could use a little bit of will, right? To actually do God's stuff? Well, that's what he says. You guys, you, all you have to do is work out what God is working in you. Once you receive Christ, God goes to work. And then he wills you and he moves you to act according to his good purpose. And so every good work actually starts with God. He's the one who's working, and he will work in your heart, and it comes from him. You know, when we started K2 nine years ago, we had a theme verse for our church. And um, it's in Acts chapter 5, verse 38 and 39. And Acts chapter 5, the church is just beginning. It's kind of this new movement, right? And the, the political leaders and the religious leaders of the day are freaking out because there's this major movement happening. And to the point where they go, you know, we've got to get rid of these guys. And so they were going to kill them. They were going to stone them. So they gathered them all together, and all the religious leaders were there. And finally, one of the top religious leaders, his name was Gamaliel, and he stood up in front of all of his co-patriots, and he said this. He said, listen, guys, here's the verse. If their purpose or activity is of human origin, it'll fail. But if it's of God, you won't be able to stop these men because you'll find yourselves fighting against God. Is that not awesome? He just said, hey guys, don't even mess with these guys. Because if their purpose or activity, if it's their idea, it's going to fail. But you guys, if this is actually God's idea, and these guys are actually following God, did you know you can't fight against God? So don't even try. Incredible wisdom. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever gotten to the point where the origin, what's the origin? Where it starts. Have you ever had the origin of your purpose or your activity of your life actually been God? Or are you coming up with all the ideas for your life? Are you trying to find what's going to fulfill you? Are you searching this world, seeking after fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose and strength? Or has God actually become the center? So, that's the first thing. What's a good work? It's responding to God in love. But it's responding, okay? And this is the other reason why I think we don't see a whole lot of good works. You can't experience God and what he's doing if you don't actually respond to him. And so you have to respond, you guys. And how do you respond to God? It's by faith. That when you read something in God's word and he tells you and you read it and you go, oh my gosh, this is God speaking to me. And then you actually do what it says. And when you do that, that's responding. When you sit here week after week on a Sunday, and you actually get information from God and he speaks to your heart, do you actually walk out of here and do what it says? If you do, that's all God needs is people who will say, I'm going to respond to God. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to go with him and I'm going to say yes to him. And every time you say, every time you say yes to God, then God's stuff gets done, right? And not your own.
And now all of a sudden, people aren't going, hey, look at Chris Bean. He's a really great guy. No, they're saying, what's, what's up with this guy and what he's doing? And it will lead people to God, and you won't even realize it's going on. But supernaturally, God will be drawing people to himself because it's his work and not yours. Now, here's the last piece. A good work that makes your light shine so that people see and are attracted to God is responding to God in what? Okay, let's say that one. Responding to God in in love. And I think this is the last one, and it's the key, right? 1 Corinthians 13. Anybody been to a wedding? Okay, probably heard this one before. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but don't have love, I am only a resounding gong or a claiming cymbal. That's pretty cool. Anybody has had the voice of angels? I, you know. He goes on. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I can fathom all the mysteries and have all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move a mountain, I'd be like, I've never had faith that can move. I mean, faith that can move a mountain, right? And faith is important because you have to actually have to respond to God. He goes, but I can have faith that can move a mountain, but if I don't have love, I am what? Nothing. Nothing? Tongues of angels, God. Lots of knowledge. Prophecy. Prophecy, God. I have faith that moves mountains. He goes on. If I give all I possess to the poor. Oh, come on, God. I've read your word. It says if you give a cold drink to one person, I'm doing it to you. If you give all that you possess to the poor and even give over your body to hardship that you can boast, and if you don't have love, you gain what? nothing and you guys is this is where I think we struggle is as a church we can actually think that we're doing God's stuff and it is it is actually things that he wants us to do but if you're not doing out of love for the other person then it does no good at all and so can I just tell you really quickly what I think is not a good work apparently what is a work that's not good is when you have any self-motive at all in what you do. Which, now we're all goofed up. We have lots of goofy motives. But here's, here's what it is. If you are ever trying to do a good work so that you gain God's favor, if you're trying to prove to God, hey God, look at me, I'm serving the poor. Look at me, I signed up to serve in South Salt Lake. Look at me. If you're ever doing a work to show God that you're good, you know what that's called? It's called being self-righteous. And and every time you do an act that looks good on the outside, but it's really motivated by you trying to show how good you are, everybody around you is kind of going. (laughs) 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 You know, I know that's a good thing they're doing, but there's something... Something, something's not right about this. You know why it's not good? Because if you're ever trying to gain your own favor by doing good things, and you're being self-righteous, you will always end up judging everybody else around you who's not doing what you're doing. You'll always start to think that you're better than everybody else, and that ends up never being a good thing. And not only will you end up judging other people, If you think you have to prove how righteous you are by doing good things, you know what will happen? You'll have a bad day, and you won't do very good. (laughs) And you'll fail. And then who do you end up judging? 
yourself. You go, and you start thinking, what a bad Christian I am, and God could never love me. And that's the, you guys, you don't have to gain God's favor. Through Jesus Christ, you have his favor. And then, because you're loved by God, he starts doing this work and you do it. So there you go, you guys, right there. What is a good work that makes your life shine? It's when you respond by faith to God. And every time you do, you do it in love. You know, Galatians has this great verse. It simply says this. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Now, so let's take a minute and then let's kind of end the last part of our message here. And let's look at K2. Let's look at us. Let's look at our lives. How can we actually respond to God in love so that it'll make us shine? All right? And before I get into this, actually, I want to go ahead and celebrate the fact that you guys have been. Can I just say, I mean, I'm, even as I'm speaking, I'm looking out here at so many faces who I know. You're doing this, man. You love God, and because you love him, you do what he says. And because you've been doing what he says, people's lives are being changed, and they're being brought to God. And so let's watch this video, and let's celebrate. And then after the video's up, I'll come up, and I'll finish my message. Let's do this. If you're a follower of Christ, you didn't just receive a spirit of power. You received the spirit of that love. So man, let's not forget that. And let's encourage each other. And let's offer that to each other. And Jesus said, if we just love each other like he loves, and the whole world would go, what's in the world's going on there? This place is trying to break my belief. But my faith is bigger than all I can see.
church, right? And so we come to church and we, we listen to the service and then we get in our cars and we go home. We acted religious and we denied the power of God that's inside of us. say to you? I die for you. I die for you. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, man. That's so encouraging to me. That's so encouraging to me. Because the church is the light of the world. And every time we respond to God in love, we have a chance to help other people glorify God. And what else do you want to do? What else do you want to do? I didn't read you this quote. I saw this on Facebook. A friend here at K2 put this up. It says this. It's John Piper. He has this book out called Don't Waste Your Life. And he said, if you don't point people to God for everlasting joy, you don't love and you waste your life. If you don't point people to God for everlasting joy, you're really not loving them. And you waste your life. And you guys, that's why we got to make sure that we never think, okay, man, I'm at church, this little light of mine, for an hour and a half, right? But as soon as I go out of here, got to get my bushel over. Because I don't want people to know. I don't want my neighbors to know. I don't want my coworkers to know. Are you kidding me? He's the light of life. And he's the only one who can give eternal life. And that's what we're here for. All right? So, man, let's look at some things here together and write these puppies down. Here we go. What makes you shine? It's when you respond with courage, you guys. Number one, you got to respond with courage. It's interesting. In the Bible, from all the way through, the number one thing, as far as numerically, the number one command that God gives people in the Bible is what? Do not be afraid. <laughs> Do not be afraid. Now, this is interesting. It's God, I want to respond to you. Well, God goes, hey, then can I just tell you something? When I actually ask you to do something, it's going to take faith. And if it's going to take faith, then you're going to have to risk something. And guess what happens? Every time there's risk involved, guess what creeps up? Fear. That's why I wore this shirt today. Yes, I'm stealing from Vince, all you guys who were there for the men's weekend. But what Vince, the guy who taught us, he said this, you guys, you can know that, man, when God asked people to do something, why did he have to say more than anything else, don't be afraid? Why did he have to do that so much? Do you know why? Because everybody was afraid. <laughs> Isn't that good news, actually? It's kind of comforting, right, to know that all these studs in the Bible actually were freaked out. 
Here's what I can tell you this year. You guys, this church started because God asked people to quit their jobs, sell their homes, and leave their families. That's the DNA of this church. How many of you would not freak out if God said to you today, I want you to sell your home, quit your job, and leave your families? And I know you can't hear it, but and go to Salt Lake City, right? How many out of all places? Come here. See, that freaks you out. And so here's what I can guarantee you this year. I guarantee you this. If you're going to follow God, he's going to ask you to do something, and when he does, you're going to be afraid. If you have never, if God has never made you afraid, I can tell you this, you've never run into God. Because what he asks you to do is always beyond what you can do. And see, what we like to do is we like to play it safe, right? Well, I don't, yeah, I could do that, I guess. And I, I, I could do this. And then we wonder, why doesn't my life make anybody think about God? Well, because you're only doing what you can do. And other people can do that too. But as soon as you step out and you do what God says, it's going to make people think about God. But I can tell you, it's going to freak you out. And so, if you're going to shine this year, if we are as a church, I, not just you personally, corporately together, there's, there's no way that we can bring glory to God this year as a church unless we face the fear that's going to creep up and we make it not an option. And we bust through the fear and we have faith instead. All right? So number one, if you're going to shine, you have to respond with courage. Number two, you've got to respond with generosity. Now, this was really interesting because I wasn't thinking this would be in my message for this Sunday. But what I did, and this is really cool. I had some people ask me about this. Write down BibleGateway.com. It's, it's, a, it's a great uh, website that you can get into the Bible on. And uh, so what I did is I took, since I was thinking, well, what is a good work? I put in good works, right, into this into this program, and it'll show me every scripture that has good works in it. And what was crazy, you guys, is I look it up, and did you know that when God talks to us about being generous with our finances, he says it's a good work. Okay, hold on a second. Good works make me shine, and it draws people to Jesus. Look at this. 1 Timothy 6, Paul says, Command those who are rich in this present world to not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I like a God who wants to do that. Command them to do good and to be rich in good works and to be generous and willing to share. And then listen, in this way, you will lay up treasure for yourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that you can take hold of the life that is truly life. Remember, what did, what, did, what did John 1 say? Jesus came and he was the light of what? Life. And here's, here's he's saying, you guys, if you have resources, you've got to be generous and willing to share. And what you're doing is if you'll give generously to God and to people around you, you actually get to take hold of the life that's truly life. Well, here's one thing we know about Jesus. When he was down here, you guys, he was never about himself. That's it. He did everything his father asked him to do, and he loved everybody all the time. He was completely free from sin, which is he was completely free from all self-life. And that's why he was the life. That's it. It's love. And what you love, you give to. So if you want to take hold of the life and shine, generous people shine. 
for God. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, it says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, right? Because we respond to God in what? In what? Okay, love. So when it comes time for the offering tonight, right? We're not like, oh, God, you're... Everybody's watching. I probably should put something in. I, I, I don't know. What, what they, no, what you do is you give to God cheerfully because he loves a cheerful giver. Because, man, God, I can't believe what you've done for me. I can't believe. What a cool way to give back to you. And then listen. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. There it is. And you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And listen to this. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to who? To God. Do you guys see how this works? So here's how this works, you guys. And you did this last year. Man, last year it was awesome. You increased your generosity here at K2 The Church to the point where we finally met our budget and passed it so that we could actually increase it. And what that's done is that's allowed us to do more ministry to your children, more ministry to the youth, more ministry to South Salt Lake, to downtown, and across the world. And what's happening now is more people who are in dire straits and who are suffering are getting a chance to be blessed. And so they, when, when you give your resource to God, God uses every dollar to bless the people around you. And when people get blessed, they look up and they rise up their head out of the dust. And they, who do they thank? They end up thanking God. And that's what you are. You're the light of the world. And you should shine in such a way that it makes people glorify your Father in heaven. And good works do that. And the Bible says when you give generously, it's a good thing. All right. So we got to respond with courage. we got to respond with generosity. And third, we have to respond with each other. Okay? Write this one down because this is huge. If we're going to shine, we have to respond with each other. In John 13, Jesus says this. A new command I give you. Oh, oh, your ears should perk up. All right, new command. Because what I do is I respond to God. <laughs> That's what I do. And since he gave me a command, what is it, Jesus? Love one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then listen to this. And by this, everyone, every, he, he, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. What's a good work that shines so that people look at us and go, maybe there's a God. You guys probably, I, all of these are, are important. But I'm telling you, there's something about love. And every human being on this planet needs to be loved. And not just like, hey, I think you're a neat person. No, loved in the way where you are fully known and fully loved. There's nothing more powerful than that in the world. And you know what? All of us who've received Christ, we should go, oh, 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 wait, I know that love. <laughs> I received that from Jesus, man. And Jesus, like, knows everything. He knows things about me I don't even know about me. He knows the deepest, darkest secrets of my life, and he says, I love you. Oh, you guys, if we, how did he, what was his command? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
How did Jesus love you? He has forgiven everything you've ever done. What would happen if we created a community where we always forgave each other? It says, accept one another, just as Christ accepted you. Can you believe he accepted you? Come on. Come on, all of you who are Christians, can you believe it? Me? Are you sure you want me? I'm totally messed up. He's like, I know. I love messed up people. I love messed up people. Because then I just love you and I'd start to transform you. I'm telling you what, you guys. And here's, here's the other thing Jesus said in John 17. Write this one down. I'm not going to read the whole thing. 20 through 23. He prayed for us that we would be one. And I'll read you one verse. He, he said, God, I in them, Jesus in you, I in them, and you in me, listen to this, so that they could be brought to complete unity. If the church would be complete, if we would respond with each other in complete unity, he says this, then the world will know that you sent me and the world will know that you have loved them even as you have loved me. Why isn't the world going, God is awesome? Why isn't the world going, God, you must be excellent. And I think one of the reasons is because the world needs to see us as one. And the world needs to see us love each other. And when we do that, you guys, then they'll know. Okay, so we gotta respond with courage. We gotta respond with generosity. We've gotta respond with each other. Number four, real quick, we gotta respond with compassion. Because I, what do I do? I respond to God in love. Well, but from beginning to end in the Bible, you guys, God makes this very clear. I want you to care about the orphan and the widow and the poor and the alien. All the way through scripture. The poor, the alien, the orphan, and the widow. And so can I just celebrate with you guys? I mean, we've been doing that. This last year, you guys gave over 1,800 hours of service just to South Salt Lake. That's awesome. And you gave over $160,000 outside of our walls into this world. Can we celebrate that? I mean, that is so cool. Way to go. Way to go. But here's what's so cool, you guys, is our partnership with South Salt Lake, our Ministry of the Homeless downtown, and Swaziland, all of those are new. They're just foundational. And our commitment to Honduras is getting reinvigorated again. And so I can tell you this, as we move forward this year, if you want to be a part of a church that actually cares about the poor, the alien, the widow, and the orphan, then we have so many opportunities for you to do that. And then you get a chance to shine, and that means other people get to know that Jesus is real and he loves them. So let's do it with compassion. Let's respond with compassion. Last one, then we're done. We've got to respond to the call. I'm going to respond with courage. I'm going to respond generously. I'm going to respond with you. I'm going to respond with compassion, and I'm going to respond to the call. You know what the call is? So Jesus, right before he left in Matthew 28, he said, all authority has been given to me. That's a lot. Has anybody ever told you they have all authority? Right? I did that with my kids last night, uh, didn't I, Mariah? <laughs> That's a prerogative of a parent. I have all authority in this moment. All right? What's Jesus saying? If he has all authority, then what does that mean? If he has the authority, what do we do? We listen, man, and we follow, and we do whatever he says. And here's what he said. Go and make disciples amongst all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That's your call. If you're a light of the world, you don't come in here for an hour and go, okay, praise Jesus, and then put your bushel on and go out in the world and then come back, or maybe pull it off during your Life Together group. 
and put it back on. No. If you are a follower of Jesus, he said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And you're going to go out into this world that's in the dark trying to find life. And you're going to follow me and my ways. And you're going to make disciples. And here's one of the things I love about K2, you guys. When we opened our doors, right? when you plant a church, you don't even know if anybody's going to show up, right? You're like, okay, here we go. And we had 600 people. There were people, cars were in lines on both sides of 21 South waiting to get in. Freaked me out. You know what's freaked me out even more? Is that for nine years, God continues to pour people into our laps right here in our midst who don't know the love of Christ. And they come here. It's unbelievable to me. Last year, 6,500 different people came through these doors. And God gave us a chance to touch every one of them with his love. You want to be in a church that gets a chance to make disciples? Do you want to do what you're meant to do as a light of the world? You can do this here. And we gave you base camp so we can celebrate. Last year we put base camp together, right? So now you have a tool so that you can do eight weeks and you can walk alongside somebody and help them to know how to begin their adventure with God. And every time we've done base camp, at least 20 people sign up, which is just unbelievable to me because there's hungry people in our midst who want to know how to walk with God. And if that's you today, we're doing base camp again. We're going to start it again next month. Go out and sign up and you can again begin your adventure with God. So we're going to make disciples, you guys. That's what we're going to be about. We're going to be about letting every person know. And here's my last thing. Is then, so we're here in this building, right? And I just got to tell you, I think this year it's time to get out of here. I really do. Because you know what happens? Adventure Canyon in our mornings is packed. There's like no more room for kids. And sometimes we, ba- people come with their new babies and they want to put them in the nursery and we don't have any more room in the nursery so we actually send people away. I, what? Wait, no, hey, you really matter. Oh, except you, you know, and your baby. I mean, no, we can't do that. And then people show up, right, and they're brand new and we go, like, oh yeah, park way down that road and then go back down here and then come up here and then they walk up and they go, where do I go? And it's like, if nobody's there to help me go, why are there two buildings here, right? Why is there this dude running back and forth, right? Why, if you've ever been in the morning service, that's, it's just crazy. And because of that, we're all spread out and we never get to just be in one experience. And, by, and you guys, we're packed tonight. This is awesome. You know what? And, and on Sunday morning, when it's full in here, if everybody that was in this place tried to fit into our lobby at one time, could they do it? No, I mean, you're all laughing, you know. And what's a lobby for? A lobby is a place to hang out and connect with each other, right? What's our lobby say? Get out of here, right? It's like, thanks for coming, we don't have any room for you. I mean, this this has been a great facility. But if we're going to continue to be a church that says, yes, you're welcome, come and join us, we can't do it on this property anymore. And so this year, man, we are seeking God and we're following him hard so that he can provide us a place. Imagine with me, one service and we're all in there together. Lobby where people can hang out and have coffee and talk about what just happened when they met with God. Kids space where they're totally thriving in other meeting rooms, which we, if we ever want to do something again on a Sunday morning, we never have a chance because there's no room. And this year, you guys, here's what I know. God is going to ask K2, the church, you better be courageous. Because I'm going to ask you to do stuff that's going to freak you out. And you better respond generously. And you better respond with each other as one and love each other deeply from the heart. And you better have compassion for people. Because I've called you to be the light of the world. You with me? All right. I think this is going to be a great year. You know why? Because God's at work. And all we have to do is respond to him in love.
and you're going to go on a great ride, and it's going to be exciting.